In this video, I am going to share with you the top five benefits of having a holding company. So if you don't know what a holding company is, watch the video to find out. If you do, but you don't know what the advantages are, again, watch the video to find out. And it's a detailed video covering some really important stuff. If you're new to the channel, or if you've seen some of the other videos and you like the content, then please click like. Also, leave a comment and subscribe so I can keep you updated with all things to do with property and property tax. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur and property investor. Before we go to the benefits of a holding company, because it's a question I get asked a lot, I want to quickly run you through a scenario of having a property transaction or project in your own name versus a limited company so we kind of get the basic foundations right and then we'll move on to the benefits of a holding company. So by way of example, I'm not going to use exact figures because I want you to understand the principle as opposed to looking at the exact tax figures. So by way of example, let's say we've got a, an investor, Katie, and she's done a commercial conversion, bought a commercial property, converted to let's say 10 flats, and she's made £200,000 profit. And let's also assume that Katie works somewhere uh, and she earns £50,000 per year as PAYE, pay as you earn. Uh, so, simply speaking, this £50,000 takes her into the higher rate tax threshold. So anything above £50,000, she's going to pay tax at 40%. So if she does the project in her own name, that income there will be taxed at 40% up to 150,000 and then over 150,000 it gets taxed at the additional rate of 45%. On top of that she has to pay national insurance contributions so without going to the sums you can now imagine this 200,000 pounds here partly taxed at 40% partly 45% plus the NIC means she's going to pay a lot of tax. The other thing to bear in mind is once she goes over £100,000 income, so 50000 plus the 50 of this, then for every pound she earns over uh, 100000 she loses 50 pence in her personal allowance. So the personal allowance for tax purposes is £12,500. Once she gets to £125,000 in income, she loses all her personal allowance. So the income from £100,001 to £125,000 is taxed at an even higher marginal rate because she's losing her personal allowance. So that's something to bear in mind. Now the other option for her obviously is to have a limited company. Here, nice and simple, doesn't really matter what her personal income is as long as she isn't taking the funds out. So on £200,000 she'll pay 19% corporation tax at the current rate, the rest of the money stays in her bank account. The difference here and here is, once she's paid the income tax and the NIC, the money's in her bank account, she can do what she likes with it. She can go on holiday, buy a new car, pay for her mortgage, 
whatever her uh, tickets her fancy or she could reinvest those funds into the next pop property project generally speaking property investors like to do both they like to have a good lifestyle and they like to invest in future projects for katie because she's got 50 grand coming in every single year through paye she wants to invest as much money as she can into future projects therefore going down this particular route isn't going to be the best for her because she's giving away 40 and 45 percent of her income to hmrc plus nic she's better having a limited company because she pays 19 percent hmrc so she's got more cash left in the bank so therefore she can invest more capital in the next deal so that's where we are with having a limited company versus in your own name and also similar rules obviously apply to partnerships and llps depending of course on who the individual partners are because uh, even though you may be in a partnership you pay your tax at your marginal rate depending on how much you're earning now because katie's doing well she's made 200 grand uh, profit she has a limited company she now decides basically she wants to do more than one project at any one time so in her first company where she made 200 grand she does uh, a, a second commercial conversion but she also decides she wants to do a third commercial conversion in company b now all the money obviously is in company a she needs to move those funds into company b what she could do is take the money out personally pay income tax nic and then the balance to be paid into the company that's a bad idea because if she pays income tax she'll have less funds available to reinvest into company b so she doesn't want to do that however if she's obtaining a loan some lenders or development funders may say that you can't loan money from company a to company b because they want the proceeds to come from uh, the shareholder and director in this case uh, katie therefore then she has no choice but to take the money out personally pay the tax on it and then invest it uh, into company b by way of director's loan or share capital if that's the case she has a challenge and a problem uh, if that's not the case she can loan money to company b and company b can repay company a at some point in the future plus company a can charge interest so that's quite simple but it starts getting a little bit complicated because when katie does the next projects if then this company loans money here this company loans money here and then this company loans a bit of money here you can see after a while a lot of intercompany loans it starts getting complicated and convoluted and katie wants to kind of keep it all simple because once katie's done the project in company a uh, and she then let's say decides to sell all of the units and says i don't really need company a anymore i've got these companies going uh, and this serves no purpose well if company b c and d owe money to company a then closing that company down with loans outstanding makes it complicated so she wants to find a simpler and an easier solution so she goes and sees the tax advisor who says but how about you have a holding company and how that basically works is at the top you've got hco stands for holding company and that's owned by katie so she's our 100 percent shareholder and director in this particular company she then decides to form uh, future companies for future projects and just like, like the previous example she forms different companies and all the shares 
are owned 100% by the holding company. When Katie finishes her project in company A, and that, let's say the company's got 150 grand in it, she decides to close the company down. She does that, this company disappears. The 150,000 pounds goes into HCO. HCO can then move the money down into company B, C, D, or wherever. There's no tax consequence when the money is moved from company A up into the holding company because it's a dividend that's paid to the holding company and there's no tax payable on that particular dividend. So that makes it quite efficient for KT to have different companies for different projects. Now let's have a look at some of the benefits of having a holding company above and beyond moving money from one company to another. So the big benefit is dividends paid up and down so you can transfer money. Second one is risk because if you've got more than one project, let's stick with the example of commercial conversions in the same company, what we know, what you and I know is that projects take a long time, cost a lot of money, things do go wrong. If you've got two or more projects in the same company, if one project were to go wrong and badly wrong with a contractor, a builder or something else, you then jeopardize and risk all the other properties and assets and projects in that company. So it's better to have different projects in different companies. So if let's say uh, company B goes horribly wrong, you need to shut it down or you need to liquidate it, at least company A and C and D and any other company won't be affected as long as there's no cross guarantees or debentures. So it helps you to reduce your risk by ensuring that the risk is only limited to that company and to that a particular project. Another advantage is you can have different shareholders or JV partners. So looking back at the earlier example where I basically, we had HCO, company A, B and C, and KT owned 100% of the shares in AB. Let's say in company C, she goes into a joint venture with somebody else. So Katie could own say 50% and somebody else over here could own 50% too. So it gives Katie the flexibility to have different partners or shareholders or joint venture partners in different companies if she chooses and that other individual or individuals can either directly own shares in those companies or they can also have a holding company structure whereby their holding company owns their share of the shares in that particular company. And that works pretty well. Moving on from that, you can have alphabet shares. So these are class A, B, C, so on, so forth, called alphabet shares because they start from A and go all the way to Z, uh, which means you can have different shareholders and pay them different dividends and give them different voting rights and, and limit their right to a distribution on winding up. So an example, let's say you've got a child who's 20 years old and they want to work with you and you want to give them uh, a share in your business. You can give them A-class shares and say you'll get paid a dividend based on uh, how the company does and based on your performance. So you would limit that dividend to A-class shares only. Whereas if you gave them a dividend in the ordinary share capital, and let's say you own 80% and they own 20%, if you take a dividend of 80,000 in a particular year, you'd have to give your child a 20,000 pound dividend because they own 20% and you own 80%. So altogether you'd take 100 grand, 
80 for you, 20 for them. Now there is a concept called dividend waivers, we're not going to go into that, but best to avoid that if you can. Alphabet shares enable you to do that. What you can also do is apportion value to these shares, so as the company builds up in value, the A-class shares could get some of that capital value, helping you to reduce some capital gain tax in the future and also the inheritance tax exposure. So nice flexibility to give income, but also capital to your children, to your employees, to your business partners, to your life partners. So there's interesting ways on how you can use alphabet shares and growth shares for different people who are involved in your business. Number five, and this is the last one for today, although there's quite a few other reasons, but hopefully this is enough to demonstrate to you that a holding company has a certain amount of benefits. And that is SSE, Substantial Shareholding Exemption. Basically what happens is, let's go back to Katie. She's got company A, she's got 10 flats in there. She wants to sell them. The buyer has two options. They can buy the individual flats, or someone could say, I'll buy all 10 flats, but rather than buying the flats individually as assets, I'll buy your company. So they want to buy the shares of the company. Katie can sell the shares of that company, let's assume right now, for a million pounds. If she sells the shares for a million pounds, as long as she meets the criteria for uh, substantial shareholding exemption, uh, and you can look, at, look up that online, but simply speaking, uh, the holding company has to own the shares for a 12 months over the last six years and has to own at least 10% of the share capital. So if you meet that criteria, uh, then this million pounds, when it comes into the bank of the holding company, no tax to pay whatsoever. Whereas if Katie sold the assets individually, then any uplift or gain on those assets would be taxable as corporation tax. If Katie wants to take the money out personally, she'd have to pay income tax. If she owned the asset individually, which is where we started the example in this video, then on a million pound, she would have a significant amount of tax to pay. Whereas in this way, the holding company gets the million pounds, the properties have been sold, and no tax paid whatsoever. The holding company ends up with a million pounds which you can move down to company B, C, D, or whichever other company. So that's a nice little opportunity for uh, the holding company structure as long as the company has trading status. So you can't do that if you're a buy-to-let landlord, but you can do that if you're doing commercial conversions, buying and selling properties. Now, of course, these are some of the benefits. You're probably thinking, what are some of the downfalls or the disadvantages? So in a forthcoming video, I'll talk about some of the things you ought to be aware of or you ought to be thinking about when thinking about having a uh, holding company. So I've done some of the benefits. I'll now do some of the disadvantages in a future video. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.